Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, this is the Italian Wine Podcast. My name is Monty Walden. My guest today is Mark Cuff. Mark has been on the show before. Mark, just introduce yourself. Uh, where are you from and what do you do? Hey, Monty. Um, my name is Mark Cuff. I own a company in Ontario called The Living Vine, which is a wine agency importer that specializes in organic, biodynamic, and uh, natural wines. And uh, yeah, I'm based in Ontario. Yeah, why did you start that company? Why didn't you open a shoe shop or a gun shop or something? Yeah, that's a really good question, Monty. Uh, I, you know, I would say I, I think I, I read a book about biodynamic wineries uh, by a fellow named Matthew Walden, uh, and I got really, really inspired amongst other books that I was reading. And that's no joke. It, you know, I know we've known each other for a long time. We're joking around a lot, but I got really interested in uh, biodynamic wines uh, while I was uh, working in restaurants. In, uh, in Toronto in the early 2000s. And uh, yeah, there wasn't anyone else that was importing, marketing, or, or speaking about biodynamics and organics uh, in any meaningful way. Um, I certainly didn't see them on the LCBO and Monopoly shelves in Ontario uh, or in restaurants. Uh, so um, yeah, I, I it just it, it was just right there in front of me. And it was uh, an irresistible opportunity for me to explore and uh, get to know these wineries and the people behind them, and yeah, it's uh, 15 going on 15 years now, and yeah, it's it's uh, it's been an amazing and and challenging 15 years. <laughs> how well known or how well accepted are those terms in in Canada? Just normal everyday people who who have have the old glass or bottle of wine. Um, yeah, it's definitely more. Uh, I think I don't think it's niche anymore. If that's what you mean. Um, I think most people, if you say something's organic, they know immediately what it is and what, what I mean by that. And, you know, without chemicals, maybe cleaner, healthier. When I say biodynamics, I mean, I think there's still a lot of people, their eyes will glaze over and they don't really, you know, understand uh, what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, but I, I can also talk about it being more like, you know, sort of super organic or it's like a level up. And then I can, you know, go deeper if they're interested. But I think for the most part, I think the trade... In Ontario, I think across Canada, uh, is incre- incredibly knowledgeable uh, compared to when I started, and uh, and consumers as well, uh, especially in the last uh, three to four years. You know, with you know, there's lots of new agencies and companies, and people are being creative, and everyone's sort of focusing in on different things that they're interested in. in I think with beverage alcohol in Ontario, and I think that you know has only um, increased awareness and. And the education of of organic and biodynamic viticulture. So yeah, I, in many respects, it's never, it's probably never been easier. I guess in the last fifteen years. I mean, the first ten years I was in business. I mean, man, I think I had ten customers. I mean, it was it was rough. But in the last half a dozen years, it's been uh, there's been amazing growth. I, I think around the world and not just our marketplace. Yeah, Ontario is certainly catching up to other major markets in terms of. You know, having you know incredible wineries and diverse selection of, of products and um, and an, and a knowledgeable you know consumer and trade, you know uh, that can talk about them and enjoy them and you know, especially with social media and Instagram and, and things now I mean it's everything is there in front of you and and really nice tidy neat little bites of really interesting information about you know these great wines it's very cool. 
What about um, Italian wine? I know you have a love for Italian wine, um, and there are a lot of Italian um, sort of uh, there's an Italian vibe sometimes in in the area where you are. How, how are Italian wines doing in uh, in your market? Yeah, I mean Italian wines are I I think continue to be a king here. Um, Toronto has a, a, a massive Italian population. I think we've always uh, been a marketplace that you know has went really deep. I think with Italian wineries, uh, you know, throughout the country, not just Tuscany and Piemonte, Piemonte and you know uh, some more famous areas. I think we see a lot of indigenous varieties imported here and 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 enjoyed. I think much in the way I think maybe Quebec, you know, I think has you know incredible. Uh, depth of selection of, of French wines. I think maybe because of their heritage, I think in Ontario, we definitely have a big interest in Italian wineries. And, you know, Italy is, you know, one of the most diverse countries for wine on the planet from the Alps to Africa. I mean, it's a really, geographically, it's just an incredible, incredible place. And it's no wonder that, you know, regionally food and wine is is so diverse there. I mean, I, I think you could, you, you could spend all your time just exploring uh, wines in Italy. And not venture out if you didn't want to, and still not even scratch the surface. I think. So you've got an you've got an e-commerce um, system in your in your business. What are what are the kinds of hurdles you have to jump over to get that up and running in uh, a country where um, alcohol monopolies are, are god? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we're allowed to have websites, so I mean, Shopify makes it pretty easy to have an e-commerce site. Uh, the only real hurdle I think that we have here. In Ontario, is that agents or importers can only sell by the case, and you know that can be challenging, especially if it's a you know premium case of wine or expensive wine. Not everyone wants six or twelve bottles, depending on how it's imported. During you know, the last six or seven months, I mean, look, we're lucky we have, we have a government right now that's really interested in modernizing the beverage alcohol industry, so they're looking at ways to make it you know easier for consumers to have access and, uh, to beverage alcohol. Uh, so you know they've done a couple of things to make it a little bit easier for consumers to get access to our wines. One is that, that we can do mixed cases now, so we can you know, sort of pull stock and mix them and, and offer like really creative and fun mix packs. Uh, but also restaurants are now uh, allowed to sell wine takeaway with food orders. So you know there's a lot more consumers uh, I think shopping these sort of shop wine bar hybrids right now, uh, which is creating a lot of interest and exposing a lot of people to wine. So. But uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers. Does that answer that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it seems like it's a step in the in the right direction in terms of treating adults like adults. I guess. Yeah, I think so. That, I mean, but, you know, the hardest part about having a website is just owning your content and keeping it up to date. So I think that's just common everywhere. But other than that, I think it's pretty pretty similar to most other places. So, what are your criteria for listing an Italian wine? Does it have to be? You know, hundred point um, blockbuster, or does it have to be a niche grape that nobody's ever heard of, even in Italy? How do you how do you go about selecting the wines? Is it just price or anything else? Uh, I, I guess it's every, I mean it's everything. It's not just one thing. Uh, the people behind the wines are the most important thing for us to want to pursue a partnership and work with them. Ontario is such a complicated market. Uh, hats off to anybody that you know wants to uh, start importing wine or representing wineries here because it's so challenging and. Uh, so restricted, it takes a, a very long time to build anything that resembles a business. So, you know, if you're going to uh, work with somebody, you know, to bring the wines into the marketplace, uh, they need to be people that you can you know, actually work with. Um, so that's really key. 
but you know the the bent, the, the bare minimum for, for us is going to be you know organic biodynamic you know a real strong focus on viticulture low intervention winemaking um, and then they have to be you know excellent people you know it can't just be uh, you know really pretty packaged you know wine that just looks hip and cool on Instagram uh, you know it, it takes a lot of work uh, and effort and organization to uh, to bring a case of wine to Ontario and deliver it to somebody at their house or to a restaurant so it can be really challenging if uh, if you guys don't get along and can't work well together but you know most of the wineries we work with you know we've we've worked with for a very long time and most of the wineries that we new wineries that we work with generally come through references from our partners because they like working with us and you know everyone's i'm sure they, they all go to the same wine shows and we'll ask hey you know, who do you work with here and but you know most of uh yeah most most of the people we work with we're usually on the same page and so far, that's that's worked out pretty well for us as, as a way to guide us to uh, new uh, new partners. I mean, do you do like in-store tastings? If one of your, I know, Italian producers is over in town, do you organize a, a tasting where he or she can, you know, maybe get 20 people in a room and do a, a, a dinner or something? Or is that too difficult? Uh, no, no we, we would do all that stuff. Right now, we probably wouldn't because uh, everybody has a different comfort level with COVID whether you know how how big their bubble is etc and then also like whatever restrictions are in place on a given day because it does change quite frequently uh, week to week uh, what you're allowed not allowed to do but if all things were normal yeah i mean uh, we have wineries business all the time we'll usually spend uh, two or three days in the market visiting restaurants doing tastings um you know with with people that are interested in meeting them if it's a winery that has, has some product in the lcbo uh, we could, we, yes, we could plan and do in-store tastings or taste with the LCBO staff for some of their bigger stores. Yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty involved. Uh, generally, we spend a lot of time uh, hosting people uh, in the in the marketplace, uh, and because it's so competitive here, I think you do need to visit, and you do need to be on the street, and you do need to hustle and, and get out there. And you know, we have an amazing sales team, and they do a really great job of uh, of taking our wineries around, and you know, they have you know, amazing relationships in the city and, and the province, throughout the province. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the better parts of the job. Uh, sometimes it can be a bit much. I mean, sometimes it feels like you like people are only ever visiting. But for the most part, it's really great. I mean, these are these are awesome people who wouldn't want to spend a couple of days driving around and hanging out with other really great people and talking about why. It's, uh, I think it's one of the reasons why we, you know, we, we love what we do so much. Yeah, no, that always comes across with you, which is which is great to see. Have you done any grape harvesting this season? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I'm a partner in a winery based in Creemore, Ontario, which is a new sort of up and coming region in Ontario. And uh, so we've been, uh, I've been helping whenever I have some free time to go up there and, and help uh, process fruit as it comes in with our other partners. And uh, yeah, that's that's been really exciting. It's it's been a really uh, good vintage this year in Ontario for the most part. Everything came early and at once. It seems like uh, for most wineries. So generally, we would see harvest starting September through last year, I think, you know, even the beginning, beginning of December, I think there was snow and I think people were still processing Cabernet Franc last year, but this year it all came at once and uh, I think it's been a really good vintage. So yeah, that's been interesting as well. It's definitely not my, my main focus, obviously, of the other business, uh, but uh, I love it and I love what we're doing there and I, I think it's really exciting. So if I've understood correctly, Ontario now has controlled cannabis sales similar to other key wine regions like uh, california for example what impact might this have on wine consumption um, in your market 
Well, I knew you were going to be excited about cannabis being legalized in Canada, so I'm glad, I'm glad you. I kind of figured that was going to you know come up. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't think it's had an impact at all, really. Uh, I think you know it's not like cannabis wasn't around before it was legalized. I think people that smoked it smoked it, and people that drank wine drank wine. Uh, occasionally, you might do both uh, and and possibly regret it the next day. But you know, maybe it's for people that maybe had been maybe drinking too much, or uh, you know, maybe had some challenges with alcohol. Maybe maybe switched to cannabis. I'm sure there's that that might might be a thing. But uh, I think for the most part, no. And it's been really successful. It's, you know, um, alcohol is likely far more dangerous than cannabis. And, you know, it's, we live in a very regulated province uh, and cannabis is incredibly regulated here. Uh, I think they do a really good job of commercializing it. Probably uh, too good of a job. They probably need to relax it a little bit. But yeah, I think they're being really careful. And and so far, uh, to me, it looks like there's been a very uh, mature attitude towards uh, cannabis and material from consumers and, and from the trade. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's shocking that it wasn't always legal. Yeah. How, um, how plugged in are you still to the, to the Toronto restaurant scene? Um, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that, but I, I, I mean, I come from restaurants um, and. But, you know, yeah, you come from a restaurant background. I mean, um, can you still keep up with uh, what's going on in, in that scene or are you just totally swamped by wine? No, I think so. I, I mean, I'm still really interested in, in the restaurant industry. I, I always wanted to have my own restaurant, and uh, that's what I wanted to do before I started the agency. And I, to, to be honest, I don't know if I have any friends outside of the restaurant industry, like maybe a couple I've known since, you know, before I was in it. You know, I, I, I would say we're pretty immersed in the restaurant industry. Uh, I think everyone in the company is. We all come from restaurants for the most part, and our business really focused on restaurant sales in the beginning because our wines were so niche and they weren't hip at the time for most consumers when I started. The LCBO really wasn't interested in uh, in organic unless it was really inexpensive. And, you know, there wasn't the same sort of knowledge level, I think, that the buyers and, and the people at the LCBO have now back when I started. So I didn't really have a choice. I mean, our my only, you know, the only customers available to me were restaurants. And uh, yeah, I've been really lucky. They've, they've been really good to us over the years. And we've done everything we can to try and support them as well. And right, like this, right, we have a campaign on right now where for uh, four weeks, we're not promoting uh, wine on Instagram. We're just promoting restaurants that are doing really great takeout and, and, and bottle shops here in Ontario. Because, you know, I think they really need the support uh, probably more than we do right now. You know, restaurants all across the world, I think, have been hit pretty hard. And, you know, everybody needs to do more to support them and make sure that they uh, they survive this. Yeah, because once they're gone, they're gone. They're not coming back. Well, they'll never be the same again. I mean, like if you think about, you know, the recession, like the last one, a lot of good kind of came out of it on the other side. I mean, it's like going through it, you know, businesses were out of business, but a lot of new businesses popped up afterwards. Um, the entire restaurant industry really changed and moved away from, you know, really high-end fine dining to you know, really high-end casual dining. And we saw that all around the world, not just here in Ontario. And now that we're in, the, this might be halftime in, you know, the pandemic right now, we're seeing a lot of restaurants doing, you know, really incredible creative things. You know, we have a very vibrant restaurant industry, beverage alcohol industry in Ontario, with a lot of really talented people. And it's just amazing what they're doing just to just to survive and keep their, their lights on right now. You know, we're definitely seeing a lot of like, you know, burgers and stuff and sandwiches and 
and stuff. But we're also seeing really a really incredible takeout, like stuff that you you just can't cook at home, and you know, good value and some great restaurants here in, in Toronto and all over Ontario. Like it's pretty amazing. Yeah, are there any sort of new twists? For example, I mean, a classic dish we associate with your part of the world is salmon. Um, is anybody in Vancouver doing anything funky with uh, with salmon, uh, either um, with the ingredients or with pairings with wine? Well, I, I don't spend a ton of time in Vancouver, although uh, we've just uh, started working out there in that province. Uh, so I'm going to find out. So I can't really comment on what Vancouverites are doing with uh, salmon right now. I'm sure they're doing lots of great things with salmon out there. But uh, in Ontario, I mean, we have such a big Italian population. And I think reverence for, you know, really classic Italian food um, and fine examples of classic Italian food that... Uh, People sort of stay in that lane. It, it seems like with most restaurants, uh, maybe I've missed some things. Who knows? Uh, and we're also seeing a lot uh, more engagement in, uh, I think, American Italian cuisine. You know, like, you know, sugo sauce and you know, things like that, pasta and meatballs, deep dish pizza. You know, things are. This is sort of fairly new to us, or maybe used to exist and sort of went away, and now sort of coming back and at maybe a higher quality uh, level. But uh, I don't know if that counts as Italian food for for Italians, but. It's quite popular here now as well. And, and quite, I mean, it's comfort food, which is what I think a lot of people are craving right now, time of year, plus, you know, with their stress levels and concern through the roof. I know you don't get a, a lot of time to travel, but when you do travel to Italy, um, where's, your, where's the favorite place in Italy that you've been to? And which is your, what is your dream destination if you can have a week off? Um, I really love the north, uh, Alto DJ, Dolomites. That's, that's where I'd like to spend a lot of time if I could. In Italy, Sicily. I've never been. I've always really wanted to go there. I can't say that's one of my favorites, but I think it might be. I've never been there. I'd love to go at some point. But I do love the north. I love the blend of that sort of German Italian. I, I love how different it is uh, and the landscape, and it's just beautiful. I've never had a bad time there. Time I've gone, but Italy is great everywhere. I mean, it's one of the most hospitable countries in the world, especially if you're traveling for food and wine. And uh, you know, people are very passionate all over. So. I've never been anywhere in Italy where I've been unhappy, to be fair. I've covered quite a bit of ground there. There's only been a few places I think I haven't really visited. And it's always been pretty great. When people ask me this question, I can never answer it. But, you know, if um, you could have three wines on your table this evening, a red, a white, and a fizzy, with whatever food you you wanted on the planet, what would would your three bottles be? Hans, well, listen, if if, uh, Joe Biden has announced the president of the U.S., I'll probably celebrate. I'll probably have something a little bit nicer. Uh, I have a few wines uh, from Italy that I've been saving to to, uh, to drink. I have uh, Four Doors Pinot Grigio, so uh, back to the Dolomites, which is a, a Amphora Pinot Grigio that's quite rosé and is delicious. I think that's just one of the best wines in our portfolio right now when we can get some. For white, oof, really tough. I really don't know. Oof. Maybe something from uh, maybe something from Sicily. Maybe a Sicilian wine or blend, uh, something from, you know, uh, Ocapinti or Cos or, uh, or Calabretta, maybe. Calabretta makes some really nice, really sort of fat and juicy whites on that that are delicious. And sparkling, yeah, uh, I think Fedora makes amazing Prosecco. I swore I would never import Pinot Grigio and Prosecco and, until I met uh, Emilio from Fedora. And um, I think uh, he does a incredible job. They also just uh, finished converting to uh, Biodynamic and they're... Uh, fully Demeter now certified, which is uh, a great achievement for them. And they've been organic, I think, since the 70s. 
But yeah, I, I can always open their wines and they're really, uh, really well priced and inexpensive and they always drink really well. So yeah, that's probably what I would do tonight. I mean, you do strike me as someone who, you know, obviously likes the, like, I know, I'm not saying Petrus, but they're kind of famous wines. But you're, down to, whatever, you're down to earth guy and I, I'm imagining that you derive an enormous amount of pleasure from sort of normal everyday wines without hankering for, you know, 150 bucks, 200 bottles. Uh, every single day is that is that right or have i got you completely wrong yeah no i think that's probably right i like i mean for red like i like sort of medium bodied you know sort of crunchy lighter reds so like if i would have a red tonight it probably would be something from like ampelea like they're on nitro which is like a one liter every day uh, very inexpensive i think uh, but very good quality uh, red blends from tuscany and you know also biodynamic and stuff so yeah, that's the kind of stuff I like to drink. I mean, it should be uh, really pleasurable and you know, easy drinking. And sometimes, I'll, you know, I'll, I, I'm lucky. I get to, I, I do get to try a lot of really great wines. I'm quite often not drinking expensive Bordeaux and Burgundy. That's not really what we do. Uh, although we do have some fine wineries from both places, but I, who can afford to drink these wines every day? So, and uh, some of them are right now, sadly, are are, are priced themselves out of most marketplaces and, and channels. So. They're, they're becoming increasingly uh, irrelevant to the trade and consumers. So I don't know. I'd rather support, uh, you know, wineries that are really just uh, living off of these, their own small business and supporting their families. For your business, um, you know, do, do you get the odd article in the national in the national newspaper, a review of a wine that you're stocking and people, somebody, a journalist says, hey, you know, there's an offer on at Mark's shop. I mean, does that how it work or, or do people just ignore you? So you broke up for a minute there, Monty. Are you call, are you calling me from your your Nokia thirty three ten or are you? I've still got that phone. It's, it's a vintage phone, but it was yes. Go on. Um, I'm never going to live my uh, my phobia of uh, mobile phones down. But I do. Th- I thank you very sincerely for reminding me of my lack skill when it comes to computers and things like that i'm a good friend keep going yeah i mean yeah do you get um you know do, do, do people write up your wines in uh, reviews in national newspapers or or, is, or or are you allowed to do that in canada or for sure we have uh, a lot of journalists in canada with some really great ones there's uh, a company called wine align in canada uh, that posts a lot of that works with a lot of journalists and reviews a lot of products that go through almost everything that goes through the lcbo plus in, in private if they get access to it uh, there's a number of journalists there, and uh, I think they're they're doing a really great work. They're producing a lot of really great content, and they're pretty laid back and and just generally uh, nice people that don't have extreme views on wine. So uh, I think a very Canadian approach to to a lot of the writing. Then uh, in Western Canada, there's some great journalists and writers out there as well. You know, Tree Bring uh, does really great work. I really like her writing. Yeah, I mean, can can we have it all here, Monty? If <laughs> we, have, we have great we have great people in every facet of, our, of the beverage alcohol industry well my 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 uncle and my dad both um, my uncle lived in um, my dad's father lived in uh, Canada for most of his life in British Columbia and my dad spent a lot of time he spent time teaching in uh, in Canada before he came back to the UK this is after the war and um, so I, I feel I've got a bit of an affinity to to um to canada and um yeah i mean one of the true one of the only true facts you ever hear in life is you'll never meet a, a bad canadian you know it's just it's just one of the immutable truths of life well i think that's good to hear it's it's nice that canada maintains its reputation and you know it's no wonder i mean, I mean canada and, and the uk of course have a long history together especially where i grew up uh, in newfoundland uh, you know i'm an i'm an eighth generation newfoundlander and my family originally comes from devon southern england and, and uh 
you know, I, I think of uh, all of my friends and, you know, growing up there, I mean, we all have uh, roots going back to the UK and, and England and Ireland and uh, Scotland. So, and Wales, I have quite a few friends with Welsh, Welsh parents. So I think we always sort of, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely a kinship there. So it's no wonder that I think you feel that way. I hope Canada can maintain its reputation. Yeah, so do we. And we hope that you continue to do what you do uh, in Canada and Toronto, um, pioneer of uh, organic and biodynamic wine in your neck of the woods. Uh, you're a fun guy, and um, I hope you've enjoyed having a chat with me today. I've certainly had a, certainly enjoyed having a chat with you, and um, you are one of the rare guests who's been invited back here twice, and uh, we're going to wait and see if we can make you come back for a third time in a year or so, okay? When this, hopefully when this COVID... Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the only podcast that I, I will actually agree to do. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, <laughs> if you don't if you don't invite me back, uh, you know, I think it sort of stops there for me. Uh, so, I hope you do. Nobody else will invite me on. I, I, I don't know why. I have, I mean, I do have a person that emails these companies, and they, we get no response. It's really strange. Listen, it's appreciated. So, thank you. Yeah, and we we just hope both of our listeners enjoyed the podcast today and. And we'll, um, we'll hopefully see you next time, Mark. Take it easy. Thanks, Marty. It was great chatting with you. Take care. All right. Ciao. Ciao. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, chin chin.